are going. It's happening. It's all happening. It's all happening right now. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. Yes, you sound wonderful. Do I? I, I yeah, I'd use a different word, but I don't have another word to use. Clear, clear as a bell. Is that, <laughs> right. is that a good effort? Is that would describe yeah. it? Accurately? Yeah, you're, you're, you're dinging like a bell. In fact, when you texted me before and you said, you said doing it now, meaning you were doing something right now, and instead you typed ding it now. I was like, ding did it. I, did I type ding? I'm dinging yeah. it, yes. I'm, like, what? I'm going with a bell theme. I didn't know if yeah. I was supposed to be dinging you or ding something. I'm like, what does that mean? Ding? Yeah. I'm an idiot, though, so makes sense. <laughs> um, Correct. Damn you. So I don't know if anyone's ever going to listen to this, but in case anyone ever does, um, we're two idiots together that have known each other for a long time. Um, and we're going to talk about some nonsense, probably, and hopefully talk about some college football. Um, yep. Yeah. Great. Now, now, now that you set the stage so eloquently... <laughs> idiots so when they unearth this recording in a thousand years and like yeah these guys they they, they really were idiots <laughs> <laughs> idiot was I mean, an understatement <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so uh did you listen so you listen to dave grohl's um you listen to his his little thing his work i play. did i didn't yeah, I didn't know we were going to get into into play right away. It was on my list to talk about, but yeah, I I listened to it, and um, you know that I love almost everything that Dave Grohl touches, and I say almost because, like, I like I like everything pretty much, and, and the things I don't like are some Foo Fighters recordings. I don't like a couple of Foo Fighters albums but I'm like the biggest fan of Dave Grohl just as a human being. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and you know, it's, but that's been like, you know, you've been a fan for a long time um, from what I can remember. And I kind of agree with you on that. Some of the stuff, some of the food fighter stuff I don't particularly uh, enjoy, but uh, yeah, he, I mean, majority of it is, is spectacular and I thoroughly enjoy it. But I mean, I think that's it goes with anything. But um, what, so it's 22 and a half minutes approximately of just insanity. music, just musical insanity. Yeah, it's, I, 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 you were describing it to me and I was like, 22 minutes of instrumental is intense for a guy who has so much personality in his vocal delivery. How's he gonna? How's he just gonna do this with music alone? Right, right. He did, he did it. There's so much, so many dynamic parts in that that song. I was, I, I listened to it, and then I listened to it again immediately after. Yeah, I, I did this. I didn't listen to it right after. I listened to it a few days later, and you know, the thing that was interesting to me was that while I listened to it pretty intently the first time. But more uh, with a different um, 
the first time was more I was just listening to it to enjoy it. Um, so I was just kind of it was just in there. It was playing in the car and I was listening to it just like I would driving us into anything. And then the second time I listened to it, I was listening a little more intently and I started picking things up that I didn't hear the first time that I was going, Oh, oh wow. Listen to that. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Um, and just the way his transitions from, from part to part, um, even though there's, there's, you know, a few different parts and they're very different from one another. They all, you know, mesh together very well. And I was, again, I didn't know how I was going to go without his, his vocals in there. Um, because like you said, very dynamic, very, um, recognizable voice when you hear it and, uh, you take that out, you're not sure what you're going to get. And it was, it was still pretty amazing. I thought that it was cool that there were some parts that were just so distinctly Foo Fighters that if I just heard it, I'd be like, that is for sure Foo Fighters song. But then there were some other pieces of things that you were, that it was just like callbacks to like them crooked vultures and, uh, you know, even some probot stuff. And, uh, uh, it, it just all kind of got married together. I, I mean, I guess that's Dave Grohl. He was involved in all of those projects, and this is the style of music he writes. Um, but I was just surprised that all those styles, like you said, the transitions went very smoothly from one part to another. Dave Grohl, composer, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Master. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I mean, honestly, that the, there's, um, there's one part. I mean, yeah, like you said, some of the some of the guitar riffs, um, you know, the when he bends bends a note, it's it's like a distinct sound that you hear a lot in Foo Fighters songs. Just the way he bends a note, it's not like a full bend. It's I don't know, it's hard hard to explain it, but, um, it's it's very Foo Fighter ish, and then there was stuff where it was almost like it reminded me of like. Um, almost like a jam jam out type of type of sound where you've got um, clean guitars and very melodic bass lines. And he's playing all of those instruments, which is, you know, really the, the biggest thing I think that people should understand is that he's playing every instrument, not at the same time. He's not, uh, he's not uncle Jesse on full house <laughs> with, <laughs> trying to play every instrument you know, at the same time I could, I could go for seeing that as like an hbo special like dave grohl plays like one of those one-man band contraptions <laughs> he's, just, he's just stopping his foot and he runs over to a guitar and then he sings into a microphone and then he stomps his foot again on the on the, the bass drum and that, yeah, I, I think I, that should be the premise for Sonic Highways too. You just drop him off in a city on the corner, and he plays one of those crazy things where he's got like the bass drum on his back and like a <laughs> harmonica in front of his mouth and stuff. Dude, this is no lie. When we went to see a show down in Delaware, the bar next to the venue, we were getting some drinks there, and um. There's a guy playing, I forget his name, but yeah, he, Ken McBride. it wasn't Ken McBride himself, <laughs> but it was, a, he's like a younger guy. Apparently he plays there all the time because people, a lot of people knew him. And, um, he literally had a kick drum and a snare, um, 
and he was playing them with his feet, right? He had like some type of contraption to to hit the snare when he pressed he the pedal with his foot. With his feet, Doris. Yeah. He was playing them with his feet. <laughs> he had drumsticks in his toes, and he was twirling them around and smashing his feet. Into for, some, for some reason, my mind automatically goes to the most illogical way to play drums with your feet, <laughs> rather than, than you know. Yes, he had pedals with sticks on. No, he was holding the drumsticks in between his toes, playing them with, with his, his feet. feet. Yep, that's what he was yeah, doing. That, so picture that. Yeah. Then he had an acoustic guitar. He had a harmonica contraption coming off of his face. And he was playing everything, and then he would sing, too. And I was just like, I, I was a little confused. He was pretty good. I mean... I think he was probably if he wasn't doing eighteen things at once, he was also juggling and uh, <laughs> and knitting a sweater while he was doing all this. Yeah. I think <laughs> seven, seven out of ten. He's all right. I, I don't. I mean, he was pretty good. I, I I couldn't do that. I mean, he sang pretty well. It's hard enough to play an instrument and sing at the same time, and he was doing playing three he wasn't singing yeah. and playing the harmonica because i don't know if that's possible um but that i i'd never seen that before so that could be dave grohl that was my point let's let's get him let's get a video of this guy in delaware and send it to dave grohl and go this is what I, you're gonna need to do next time i i feel like dave grohl is the type of person who who whether he consciously does it or not sets a, a bar for a goal for an achievement as ridiculous as it may be, I mean, you know, Sound City, uh, being a producer, you know, it, the freaking soundboard from Sound City is in, in his garage, you know, like, uh, he just continually hits these milestones of achievements. Uh, it's like, where, where does he go next? And this could be it. <laughs> yeah. One man band. Yeah, that's the next step. He needs to play, play the drums with his feet. And strap a harmonica to his mouth and uh, juggle and play guitar with his belly button. I think that <laughs> is the only direction he can go where I would be impressed with anything more. Because I think at this point, I don't know what else he can do to impress me. I, I part Play is bittersweet for me because I, I love it. I love everything about it. I like the story. The video is cool. All that kind of stuff. See, I didn't watch the uh, video yet. I got to do that. I didn't, I didn't watch the whole video, but I think that there's supposed to be like a mini documentary about it. Uh, and, and it kind of, <clears throat> you know, harkens back to the Foo Fighters first release in 1995, uh, where, you know, after Nirvana, Dave had this demo tape where he played and sang everything. And that was the first album. Right, and he did now, that because he didn't want anyone to, to buy it or listen to it just because he was from Nirvana. I, I mean, it was like, not that, 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 you know, there's a lot of jokes out there that like, oh, well, we're going to try one to play one of the drummer's songs now. How good could it be? Right. You know, like, uh, I, I don't know if that was necessarily the case with Kurt and Chris and stuff like that in Nirvana, but, uh, I mean, we see how it all turned out. But it's kind of bittersweet because it's like Foo Fighters are, are are the Foo Fighters just Dave? What's that dynamic like? I mean, it's not. I mean, Taylor's a pretty strong personality too, and he has his own thing going on with Chevy Metal and uh, T 
Taylor Hawkins and the coattail riders. Um, but like, I kind of miss that dynamic. Like they're, they're on stage chemistry is so good. And I, I, I would imagine that their chemistry in the studio is awesome. Maybe it's just like a, a different, a different time, a different direction. You know, they say, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder, all that kind of good stuff. Maybe that's the case here. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's some of that going on. I, I think, I think my first thought was, you know, Dave Grohl's been pretty vocal uh, from what I've, from what I know about, you know, a lot of these um, talent shows they have on TV, right? So like America's Got Talent or The X Factor or whatever. And uh, how that, he doesn't think that's the way to, to get into the music business or to become a musician or a performer. And it waters the whole thing down and that, if you want to be in a band or be in a, be a, a musician or an entertainer, you have to go through the process and he's trying to show, I think this is like almost in a way, his way of being like, look, this is, this is what real talent is. This is what music is. This is what like this, like we were talking about the other day with, uh, you know, post Malone with the freaking tattoos all over his face. I don't, I mean, I don't know what, uh, I mean, whatever. He's got tattoos on his face. If he was talented, it, it wouldn't, you know, who cares? But he's not talented. He just, I don't know what he does. He holds a guitar and raps and, and dresses like a homeless person. He, see, I don't know enough about Post Malone to speak intelligently about him. I mean, apparently he plays instruments or an instrument or he plays guitar. Like if you Google pictures of this guy, one, he, he's, he does look like a, a homeless guy. Um, I saw, I saw a meme on Instagram that, uh, the fat Jewish posted that said he, he still looks like, uh, his, he's, his dick smells funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a great way to describe I, I, I agree 100%, sir. <laughs> but like, he just, I don't know. Like, I, so I think that you know, Dave Grohl doing this is like, I don't know. This is what music should be. This is what real music and real talent is. This isn't. Uh, so, so yeah. like, this is something I struggle with because it's like, there are people out there in the same genres. Uh, let me, let me, let me step back. Genre meaning like popular, popular music. Let's just say like top 40. Right. All right. There's some that are like, you know, people write songs for them. They have producers that do the arrangements. They're just a bass with an auto-tuned voice, whatever, and they make millions of dollars essentially conning people into thinking that they, they have this talent. Right. But then there's some, there's other people that stand next to them in the same, their album is right next to these these imposters albums in Spotify, Google, whatever music platform you care for, who are actually incredibly talented musicians. They're the same genre. One writes the music, the other doesn't. Um, I, I mean, people like Lady Gaga and Bruno Mars just blow my mind because they're so underappreciated. People are like, oh, they're just pop stars. No, they're like incredible incredible minds like genius level 
um, that that people don't. I don't think they recognize that Lady Gaga plays and writes everything. I just watched a documentary on her, um, where she like woke up one morning, like scribbled down like the on like the most ratty piece of notebook paper like eight chords and walked into the studio sat down at one of the 12 pianos that were there and just played this beautiful song because she's that talented like she has that level of musical understanding and she had a past life where she wrote these songs for other people i mean bruno mars is the same way like um you know made a living writing songs for other artists to perform and then finally broke out and you know is doing his own thing is an incredible musician and incredible live performance uh but but people hold these these people in the same the, the, they weight them the same you know what i mean and i think that's the thing that pisses me off i think that that's probably the thing that pisses dave Grohl off too yeah the, dude it's a great point because um I forget where I saw it, but there's a post on social media about, you know, one of the um, the agencies or organizations or entities that's responsible uh, for making sure that songwriters and stuff get paid, um, not just the performers when music is played or streamed or whatever was doing. There's they're doing something that was. um taking money out of the pockets of the songwriters and a lot of these um, popular artists of various genres of music were, you know, saying, this is ridiculous. You have to uh, make sure the songwriters are getting paid. And, and I, what I wanted, what I really wanted to say to those folks that were posting that was, well, you know, you wouldn't have this problem if the songwriter and the performer were the same people. Um, right. Because you'd be getting paid. So, you know, write your own stuff and perform it. Um, you know, Chris Stapleton is a, you know, like a country genre, like Southern rock artist. He still writes music for other people, but he's got his own albums, releases on music. He's one of the biggest stars in that genre right now. Um, so like, like these people that are complaining, oh, the songwriters are getting paid. It's just, well, that's, yeah you should be writing your own stuff. I don't, I don't know. I get it. Having a talent to be able to sing is, is, is a talent, but you know, you gotta, I don't know. You gotta be able to use, use what you're given. Uh, but at the same time, I don't see that as big of a talent just to be able to sing when there's people that can do, Everything similar, like like a Dave Grohl who can play every instrument, who can sing, who can write the music, who can write the songs, write the lyrics. Um, and I just, I don't think that's fair either. Um, I just have my a hard time wrapping my head around this because like I marginally consider myself a musician. Um, me too. And an art and Mar an artist. Marginally is a good way to put it for me. I, do I mean, not not. Not you, but me, but you know, you know what I'm saying? I do 200 things shitty and maybe about six things well. Um, and music is not any of the six things. Um, <laughs> but like, I just have a hard time as, as someone who makes a living off creating things, uh, 
because I am a designer and stuff like that. Uh, making something for someone else to to essentially take the credit for, like the way that I try and justify it in my mind is like producers. I I, I can understand the producer better because you're taking you're trying to make the best final product, right. and you're taking all the best pieces of everything that you can find and putting them together, and that's a real talent because you have to have that ear. You have to know, you know, this sound at this moment is going to, you know, essentially uh, trigger this feeling, this, uh, this energy, whatever. That's an art. Someone that just is, I would feel like such a, like a fraud, like a, like a pawn in someone else's game, you know, kind of, if I was just like, somebody handed me a song was like, here, you do this. Yeah. I mean, uh, sure. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to collect a paycheck, but I didn't, I don't really feel emotionally invested in it because I, it's not from my brain directly. No, I mean, I, I know these people like riff on it and stuff like that, but, and, and I guess that's where the, where some of the talent is, but some, some people don't, some people just do whatever the producer says to do. You just show up. You're the face. You show up, get your, put your mouth behind the microphone and sing it. That's it. Yeah. And, but then I, I struggle with like our, should we care as consumers? I, I mean, apparently not because they're, same they're result and yeah, the, right. they're still uh, apparently not because they're still making money and selling. I don't know if they're selling albums or people are streaming their music still. I mean, but, but do I care? Should I care at like, as somebody listening to music, how it's made? Uh, I mean, it depends. It's up to the individual, I guess. You know, I mean, for me, it makes a difference because that's just me. Yeah. I'm, I think I come, I'd look at that type of stuff in a different way. Yeah. So you can, you appreciate the craft essentially. Right. Correct. Um, because, you know, we, we wrote stuff and we played stuff live and we recorded stuff and we got to get a little snippet of what that's like. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's more rewarding, I think, to listen to it, knowing that the person who's performing it put a lot of, you know, their heart and soul and their time and effort into it other than just, you know, practicing it a few times before they got in the recording studio and sang it. Because a lot of these musicians that aren't writing their music, they're, they're, the bands that they tour with aren't, aren't the people that are actually in the studio recording the music. There's a whole documentary on Netflix about, you know, studio musicians that, you know, this, this drummer, whoever, he's the same drummer on 400 different albums and you would never know it because they don't give him any credit because he's just the studio guy. I wonder how many like, like classic, you know, songs that are out there that you're like, you listen to and you're like, this is, this is music history right here. How many times is that a studio musician that's actually in that recording yeah probably most of the time for popular music mainstream stuff it's i would say most of the time it's a studio I, musician 
Yeah. Would you, would you think it's probably more pre prevalent now than, you know, 40, 50 years ago? No, I think it's probably, yeah, no, I would say 50 years ago. Yeah. I would say uh, it's more prevalent now, but it's because I don't know that there were, I don't know that that, that was a concept back then. I don't know that was a thing 50 years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I mean, you, you go back, uh, I mentioned sound city before. I don't know if you've seen it, but you go back and, and there's, they're, they're speaking with like Stevie Nicks and like Tom Petty and, uh, the Tom Petty part like really stuck out to me because they just walked into sound city as the band and they're set up and they were just like, all right, we're just going to do this thing. And they recorded, uh, I don't think it was damn the torpedoes in like three takes. They just played the album beginning to end and they were like, all right, we're done. And, and the producer was like, you guys should probably try it a couple more times. Like just a couple of parts. That, but, uh, that sounds like me when I was in college and I would wait to the last minute to do a, uh, like a, a paper or write a paper or do a project or whatever. And then uh, I knew it was just kind of, I did, it was done. So that's all I cared about. It was done. It's over now. And then the teacher would come back and go, well, everyone got a C or, or worse. So we're going to retake the test or redo the project. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm good with what I got. What did I get? Yeah, I got a C. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm done. I'm not doing it over again. That's, that sounds like me. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective on that. I just think uh, I hadn't thought about it that way, that they were just going to take it for what it's worth. Um. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's, that's what I did. Maybe that's what they were doing. They were like, yeah, they were probably, maybe they were yeah. probably uh, uh, under the influence of things. So they might've just been like, yeah, whatever. Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, I don't think that's happening now. I, I no. don't. I, I, most of the music now is overproduced. Um, <laughs> too much, um, too many effects added in. I mean, do you remember when we recorded in Philly in, in uh, what's his name's basement? And we had to go buy him uh, tobacco. That's how we paid him <laughs> for his hookah. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was able to. <laughs> what's that? What a weird time. <laughs> it was phenomenal. Um, but he was able to change the sound of the snare drum, and he had like 40 different options for it. Yeah. I mean, that was 13 years ago. I could, you know, there's probably, they could do all kinds of stuff to, to instruments now and make them sound however they want. And instead of just getting what what you get, and cleaning it up a little bit so that it becomes a more polished product. You get an overproduced piece of something. Uh, music is what some people would call it, but an overproduced piece of whatever that uh, gets put out for sale or whatever. And it, it waters it down too much. Is it making like the craft of amplifiers and instruments obsolete too? Because like, I could essentially plug any piece of shit guitar into a computer. And as long as it's capturing the sound waves and me playing the notes, you can make it sound like whatever you want. There's, there was an art into, to what 
what room your amp was in, like how it was positioned, the combination of the the head and the the cab, and what microphones you were using, and the placement and all that kind of stuff. And it used to be like you could get this tone that was you could never replicate because it was just like that perfect day. Like you just got this sound that day. I think that that's what's so magical about some of the older style albums. And I think that that's what ends up sounding so overproduced about a lot of today's music. It's almost too clean. It's like unreal, unrealistic. I I, I don't, um, you know, I don't know that it's going to eliminate or change the amplifier business and affect pedal business and stuff like that what i mean it depends i guess because if you if your intent is just to record something and, and put it out and never have to perform it in a live setting well then sure then that might be the case but if you have any intent of re- performing it live you have to be able to recreate that sound as close as you can um and you can't just run everything through i mean i guess you could just run everything through a computer um, and then hook the computer up to a speaker. But I don't know. I think that would be making things more complicated. But in, in the recording part of things, I think definitely it it, it could. But I, I it, again, it, you can I can almost tell. You can almost hear it when you when something's overproduced or over right. Um, right. too many effects. You can you can it, it, you just get a, a sense of it. You just it, you pick up on it quicker. Um, and I think a lot of this stuff now is that's, that's the problem. And it, it just, just doesn't sound as good. Well, now uh, I'm depressed. Well, don't be depressed. I mean, you can still <laughs> go listen to, to good music. You don't have to go listen to Post Malone. <laughs> I, I feel like I should go listen to Post Malone. Yeah, I kind of want to, I kind of, so I can, so I can really, you know, decide whether I, I should be making fun of this guy or not, but. Just judging by what I've seen and, and the little bit I've heard, I don't know that I'm going to be too fond of it. Um, it might make everything sound, else sound better, maybe. Yeah. Or, I mean, you might just find that, that song, that Post Malone song, that changes your life. And then I get tattoos all over my face and start dressing like a homeless person. I think I got a smelly dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, that does sound uh, pretty appealing to me. (laughs) Ah, shit. Um, Well, let's not be depressed. Well, maybe this will be depressing. I should rephrase that. Um, Because let's talk about a little college football. And I think... The, the, the way this goes every year, we talk about this every year, is it can either be depressed or not depressed. So hopefully neither of us will be depressed this year. But I, although I feel like I've been the more depressed one of late when it comes to college football um, because I'm a Notre Dame should, fan. Should you, be, should you be? I mean, I was just looking at before we started, I was just looking at the list of well, yeah, you should be. Yeah, you won the Citrus Bowl last year, but then you were four and eight the year before, and followed by a loss in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know. Maybe you're more depressed than I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think so. I think so. I mean, but I, I mean, I, what do I know? That's just, I'm, I guess I'm always depressed when it comes to Notre Dame, unless they, they haven't won anything since I was four years old. So, um, yeah. Um, so I'm looking at the Penn State schedule because Jeff, you're a Penn State fanatic, fan, <laughs> um, lover, lover, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. You oh, are, oh, you are, Penn State is post Malone and you are the tattoos on his face. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Well, that's, I mean, it's good. It's a good thing, I think. Okay. Um, what sure. do you, so I did, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley's gone. He's playing mm-hmm. for the Giants now, which hurts me a little bit because I'm an Eagles fan and that sucks. I mean, I, <sighs> Yeah, I don't know if we want to get on that tangent now, but like, I'm very excited for Saquon. I I am too. Um, he's going to help their team tremendously, and you know, being that he's local to our area, um, in Pennsylvania, he graduated from the high school that I went to, and that your wife went to, and that this you were at, attended that school district in your childhood. Um. So that, you know, makes it more um, exciting to see him succeed. But at the same time, I don't want him to succeed because I don't like the Giants. Um, Actually, I hate the Giants. Really hate them. Um, I didn't realize you had such a deep – we don't talk about NFL football very often. No, well, here, I'll explain this to you. So, right, I'm an Eagles fan, so that means I should really hate the Cowboys. And I do. I don't like the Cowboys at all. I still don't even understand that. Well, it's just, it's just, I don't know. That's, that was the rivalry. That's the divisional rivalry. Even though every team in the NFC East, it, they're all rivals. They all hate each other. Um, but I hate we'll the Giants more. That. Well, we'll have know, to look into that rivalry more for next time because I, I want to know where that, that stems from. Okay. I'll make a note here. I'll write it down. Um, I think there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yes, I'm sure there is. So we'll uh, we'll tackle that one on the next one. Um, but I hate the Giants more than the Cowboys because I spent a lot of time in New Jersey in the last 12 years with majority Giants fans, and I can't stand – I just can't stand them. They're so obnoxious. Giants fans are yes. obnoxious? obnoxious, annoying. They can't stop talking about what they did four years ago, three years ago. Oh, it, it, it made me so happy last year to watch that team just shit the bed over on, and over on the again. Side of that, I, I lived in Philadelphia for, for nearly 10 years. And I, I mean, I lived, we lived in the Philadelphia market for almost my whole life. And I feel the same way about the Eagles. Eagles are always getting ripped off the, you know, the bad calls and uh, the, the incessant complaining about Andy Reid. Um, well, I think that's just, uh, you know, that's any fan of a team. Philadelphia sports. That's probably, probably. <laughs> that's what we do. We get really pissed off about Philadelphia sports and gets very, uh, very passionate about it. Um, 
But yeah, we'll research that Eagles Cowboys thing for next time. But I, I hate the Giants. So Saquon Barkley, I hope you do well, but not <clears throat> not when you're playing the Eagles. Um I, I'm just excited he's gonna play in one of the biggest uh markets in the United States. He's yeah, and he's he's close to home. National television. Yeah, right. Right? He's he's from Brooklyn and then he moved to Pennsylvania. So um yeah. Seems like him and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. have a have a pretty good relationship. Seems like they have a good relationship on the team. But I mean, I think Saquon, if you just go back to his time in, in college, even in high school, you hear all the, the stories about him in high school. He's just a good guy. Yep. Yep. He sure is. He sure is a good guy. Um, yeah, and I th- I mean I don't I don't know. I mean, he's gone. He left Penn State. Obviously, we just said that. But so the running back, who's going to be the starting running back? There is it Miles Sanders? Is he going to be the guy? Yeah, Miles Sanders. And um, I mean, he's no he's no chump. He was uh, he did pretty well last year. He had um, yeah, it's I mean, it seems low, and it is low. Thirty one carries, but he was at six over six yards per carry. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I mean, obviously his carries were low because he was behind Saquon, and when right. Saquon yeah. was, was healthy all year, and and but uh, from what I know, he when he was in there, he he made some plays. Um, so I, you know, we'll see. I don't know they're going to drop off too much at the running back spot. I mean, Saquon is a one of a kind type of talent, but uh, I think they still got a good. You guys still have a good good back with with Sanders. Um, obviously, McSorley's back. Um, yep. And a lot of people have him on their uh, the the top. Some people at the top, and some people in the top three um, candidates for for Heisman this year for the Heisman Trophy, which is um, you know interesting because I you know I watched a lot of Penn State football the last few years, and uh, especially last year because um, as you know, my uh, father in law and my sister in law they're they're all big Penn State fans, so. I get to watch that when, uh, when they're around. Um, and you're a Penn State fan too, so I, you know, we're pretty close. So um, I stay, how, stay how on top of it. Now. Yes, I know. I'm trying to be kind. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't see from McSorley to win the Heisman, that would mean, in my opinion, these experts, quote unquote, think that Penn State's going to be a very good football team this year because an eight and four Penn State team or a nine and three Penn State team or even a 10 and two Penn State team probably isn't going to have uh, a Trace McSorley Heisman Trophy winner. Um, So that speaks to how highly they think of the team. And I think McSorley is a a playmaker, Um, but I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? You think that he's a Heisman candidate or, or could be or, or what? I'm, I'm so, I think I'm, I'm so hard on quarterbacks. Um, like in the Bill O'Brien, very short era and Christian Hackenberg, everybody was like, Oh, Hack's the chosen one. Oh, speaking of him, one. can I interrupt you yeah. for a second? Good luck with that. Yeah. The, the Eagles signed him. And he played in their preseason game last night, and he threw yeah. two interceptions. The first play, he ran out of the pocket. Someone touched his heel, and he fell over. 
Um, he looks like I, I know he just came off the couch, but man, he looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> he looked like garbage, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, you're proving my point, though." Like the point that I was going to get to is that like everybody was like, "Hacks the chosen one," and Bill O'Brien, I, I firmly believe that he was such a good coach. I mean, you look at what he did with with uh, New England and Tom Brady and all that kind of stuff. He's such a good coach that he got Hack to perform. But as soon as O'Brien was out of the picture, Hack was garbage. He stinks. He has a bad attitude. He's not a he's not a good morale guy. But like a lot of Penn State, a lot of the Penn State faithful will will hold on to Hack as like, uh, you know, he's still good. He's still all right. No, Hack was Hack was never really that good. I like that you call him Hack too. I like that. <laughs> Hack. <laughs> he looked like a hack last night. Oh. He's not even worth me saying his whole name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you're gonna call um, him C Hack? Yeah, C Hack. So, so getting back to McSorley, I think I'm just like, I'm so I have such a bad taste in my mouth for quarterbacks at Penn State, um, because I feel like there's never really been that good of a quarterback since like. Growing up, I watched Kerry Collins, um, and and he was really good. But but like uh, Trace, I'm just like, is he good? I think he's good. Like when he drops back in the pocket, I think he sucks. But like when he's moving up in the pocket, he can complete every pass he throws. When he's running towards the line of scrimmage, he's he's got good feet. He can run, he can scramble around, and he can gain yardage with his feet. Um, but he, he's not like a great drop back passer. And I don't think he's going to win the Heisman because of that. Yeah. I never thought he had a really great arm. Um, I mean, short, short ball, he's, he can throw a nice pass, you know, 10 to 15 yard pass, um, deep balls. I, I always thought that he, uh, had trouble getting the ball downfield, um, on deep passes. He kind of lets the ball sail to, you know, puts a little too much air under him or just doesn't have the arm. So, I mean, I think he's a, he's a very good quarterback for what they do for, for college. Um, I don't know about the Heisman trophy. I think there's a lot of good players out there, but they do tend to, they do to, tend to give it to uh, quarterbacks. And if you've got um, a top five, top four team and you're the quarterback on one of those teams, you probably got a good shot at winning the Heisman trophy. So uh, you never know. Um, I also saw, I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, I mean, I think that is, is the playing field really, we're going to see if Trace McSorley is a good quarterback or not this year without Saquon, because I mean, Saquon, Saquon was such a threat that everybody's always got eyes on Saquon, which mm-hmm. lets McSorley do a lot. And, and he also had great receivers too. So he, you're right. He would lob the ball up down the field and you'd have somebody pick it out of the air um so we're gonna see we're gonna see this year well that guy who's that guy this year that's gonna is that so Jawan johnson is uh is he gonna be their leading receiver this year um i mean i know you got gesicki's gone which he surprised yeah. a lot of people in the nfl combine which i don't know why because that dude caught everything that was thrown to him but I'm, I'm, okay 
yes at the end towards the end but i remember when he had hands like feet i i do remember going to uh, go i think it was the game that you and i went to and he looked almost looked like he was clapping when he was trying to catch the ball um and yeah so okay i i do understand that um but yeah towards the end his he, he did start catching the ball very well um, and the dude's that dude was fast too, deceivingly yeah. fast. Um, really goofy looking, but um, but fast. Um, so Jawan Johnson is is he their top receiver coming back, or is there anybody else that that they have that they can rely on this year that that was that played last year? I think it's Johnson. You know? Yeah. Uh, Brand, uh, Brandon Polk. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know the, the, the receiver. I mean, you lost everybody. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's Sean the thing. Blacknell, Irving Charles, everybody's gone. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins, you got DeAndre Tompkins. He's pretty good. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the guys that I, you know, just made a note of that were, that were, playmakers that were coming back were, you know, obviously McSorley, uh, Miles Sanders, which wasn't so much of a playmaker uh, last year per se, because he did, wasn't on the field that much because Barkley was there. But when he was in, he did, uh, he said he was averaging over six yards a carry. Um, and he did have some nice plays while he was in there and he wasn't in there against, you know, cleanup time. Um, he got real game game time. And then uh, Joan Johnson. So those are the three guys I got, you know, playmakers yeah. coming back and, I don't know. I think Penn State this year, looking at their schedule, um, obviously the Big Ten over the last couple of years has really gone from being, from what people were, a lot of people were saying, worst conference to being one of the you know, one of the better, if not the best conference and toughest conference in college football. Um, I w- I'm going to say Penn State's going to go um, ten and two, and they are going to still get to the big 10 championship game. They're going to win it. And they are going to just miss the college football playoff this year. Um, That's my thought. I have them losing to, and don't shoot me. I have them losing to um, Pitt second Mm, week. That hurt. And (laughs) I'm sorry. And I have them losing to um, Michigan. Uh, in November, both those are away games. Um, I think Michigan's going to have a good team this year, and uh, so that's it. I think they're going to go ten and two. They're going to get to the Big Ten championship game. Um, probably end up playing Wisconsin, and uh, they'll be eleven and two, and just miss the college football playoff. I. <laughs> I'm finding it hard to make a prediction that Michigan, that Michigan game really stands out to me. Michigan has always been a thorn in Penn state side. Uh, I can, I can remember all the way back to, I don't remember what year it was, but Michigan won in the last second when, when the officials added time to the clock for for some reason i can't remember what exactly the the scenario there but there's been a very deep hatred for michigan ever since um 
I think Michigan's going to have a good team too. Uh, I, don't, I don't. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, who else are they going to lose to? Ohio State's such a question mark. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows what, what's going to happen with Ohio State this year. I, man, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I don't know if they're going to be distracted, if they're going to be, you know, driven to, to play for their coach or whatever the hell they want to, um, however they want to explain it. But they're going to be tough to, I mean, they're a good football team either way, but, you know, off the field distractions can also play into how they play on the field and can affect them. So I'm with you on that. I just think, um, you know, they've got two losses, I think, on this schedule. Um, and then we'll get over – Same, I think Notre Dame's got two losses on their schedule as well. Um, yeah, I wanted to segue into – so you're, you're playing Michigan week one. Yeah, week one. That's so going to be terrifying. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I don't know that – I don't know they're going to be that able to schedule. win this game. I'm I'm looking at this Notre Dame schedule right now. It's a tough one. Yeah. Yep. Um they start the year off with Michigan, they finish it off with USC. Um they got their ACC teams in there they have to play, you know, Florida State, uh Virginia Tech, um Wake Forest. They also play Northwestern this year, a Big 10 team. Um they play Pitt they have a shared opponent opponent with uh, Penn State there and Michigan. So um, I got Notre Dame going ten and two, and just getting to a New Year's New Year's Six bowl game. I don't think they're gonna get into a, have a shot at the playoff. I think they're gonna lose this first game against Michigan. I think it's gonna be like a twenty to fourteen or twenty four to seventeen type of game. I think I think you're gonna lose to Michigan too. Um, and not because I, I dislike Notre Dame. I just think I, – I think I'm unclear on what's, what's the quarterback situation at Notre Dame. So, yeah, that's a good question. Um, Brandon Wimbush is the returning quarterback starter. Um, Ian Book is the backup. And he came in a couple games last year to uh, relieve Wimbush when Wimbush was struggling, um, you know, specifically the bowl game got him a bowl win last year against LSU. Um, Ian Book did, but they're going to start Wimbush. And Brian Kelly, the head coach of Notre Dame, said that if they need Ian Book, they'll play him. Um, they feel like both quarterbacks complement each I mean, other well. And I'm like, that's kind of, I mean, how does that, how does that work? I hate that. Like, I hate it. I hate it too. I would hate it too. It's so stupid. Like, like is that, what does that do for – so I watch a lot of NHL hockey also. And, like, you know, you, you talk about goaltenders and the confidence of, of a goaltender. I mean, I got I to say it's probably a similar thing with the confidence of your quarterback if you're like, I'm not necessarily the guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no question. Trace McSorley's the guy for, Pennsylvania, or for Penn State. Yeah, for he's not coming out unless – and Pennsylvania, the whole state of Pennsylvania. It, he, but McSorley's not coming out of the game unless he's hurt. Right. Right? Like, they're not – or they run some kind of stupid wildcat formation. Like, this is a different thing. Like, Brian Kelly's been notorious for this. He did it with Everett Golson and Tommy Reese. And then he mm-hmm. did it with Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser, which was a disaster. And yep. they went 4-8 and eight that year. Um, he did a little bit last year with Wimbush. And at some point, I think you got to let the kid fight through his adversity. Like if he's struggling in a game, 
let them freaking struggle. Let them fight back. And yeah, I don't think there's any quick fixes for Notre Dame's quarterback situation. There's not. You know? there's and, definitely and I not. feel like that's what Brian Kelly's trying to do here. But I, I think that it might be appear to be a quick fix, but you're you're really whittling away at these guys that they're playing time a in game situations where they could be improving and their confidence. Yeah. Well, Wimbush, Sean Kaiser was looking like shit there for a while. (laughs) Yeah, he sure was. Uh, And now he's uh, officially Aaron Rodgers backup in green Bay. Um, They traded um, Hundley green Bay traded Hundley from UCLA. And they officially said Deshaun Kaiser is our backup quarterback. Which is, you know, Kaiser got out of a good, uh, a really shitty deal in uh, Cleveland. Yeah, um, I was going to say, good for him. Yeah, he's in the best possible spot <laughs> he could be in right now. Um, but yeah, that, the whole thing with the two quarterbacks, I think it's stupid. Um, I get it. Like, Ian Book's a better passer than Wimbush is. And Wimbush is a better running quarterback than Book is. But so, so design your, your offense around your starter. And, and, you know, it's very obvious when you bring in a guy who's supposed to be the better passer that you're in panic mode. That means you're going to throw the ball every down and you don't feel like you have a shot to win unless you score touchdowns quickly. Um, right. And that's, that's, I mean, that's just, you're and, tipping and, your hand. Everybody, everybody knows that then. Yeah, right. Exactly. The other team knows what, exactly what you're going to do. Just drop back into coverage. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think, I mean, Wimbush has – last year he was below 50% completion percentage. Uh, he did throw 16 touchdowns and only had six picks. But some, those picks were really shitty picks, um, especially in that Miami game last year. Oh, that was just awful. Maybe want to throw up. Um, but I've got Notre Dame losing to Michigan in week one. And then I think they, they, they come back real strong and they, they win the rest of those games until they get to USC – uh, which is an away game at USC uh, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And I think they're going to lose that game, which is going to officially knock any talk of them getting into the playoff out. And there'll be a 10 and two team going into a bowl game. Um, so that's where I, uh, that's my pick. That's how I kind of evaluate the schedule. What do you think? I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking you get three losses. I'm thinking you get beat by Michigan in the fourth quarter. Stays close. You get beat by Michigan in the fourth. I'm going to need to have a lot of beer for that game. I'm, I'm going to say that that uh, interception is what, what does it for you. That seems to be Notre Dame's Achilles heel. Uh, sorry. You're going to come back and you're going to beat up on Vanderbilt. And, and then I think they get – it stays close, but they get beat by Stanford. Week three. Yeah, that could – well, and that's going to be a tough one. That's a home game, right? Stanford's a home game, but you're right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of games that could go either way. And who knows? Some of these teams could suck, right? Like Virginia Tech's ranked number 20 right now. They could end up being terrible. Florida State yeah. sucked last year. They're number 19. They could be terrible. So this schedule literally could be easy with the exception of maybe a Michigan and the USC game. Um, yeah. so who knows? I mean, I look at, I don't think there's anyone on Penn state schedule that's ranked right now that I feel like is going to 
fall out. The only maybe Michigan State might not be as good as they have them ranked at eleven right now. But Michigan oh. State is so and always has been so schizophrenic. It's like which Michigan State's going to show up? Well, that game. game last year, the Michigan State Penn State game last year was such bullshit because of the the, the weather delay. And they got yeah. to go into their locker rooms. I remember Megan's sister was here watching it with us. And I mean, <laughs> I watched Notre Dame on the uh, the big screen TV. She had to watch Penn State on my iPad. Um, <laughs> what a no, work. not me. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was, that was my sister-in-law, not my wife. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I misheard. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that was – I mean, that was ridiculous. The only reason they lost that game is because of the weather conditions. And these kids went to the locker room for however long, two hours or whatever it was. And then they had they got stiff. They were wet. and Yeah, you're never going to be able to turn it back on when you sit around for two hours. You know? The kids from Michigan State got to go in and shower and put on dry stuff and get something to eat. Like, yeah. I don't know. That was BS. But I, th- I don't th- I, I think if any of those teams is going to fall off, that's ranked. It's Michigan State, maybe. Um, so we'll see. I, I, they had bowl predictions out um, a couple days ago, like for this year, which I don't know how they do that already. No one's, I mean, they haven't played any games really. Um, I mean, they do the same thing with the NFL, which I'm like, don't know how that works either yeah <laughs> it was I, I think i saw it on espn i i don't re- remember which site it was but they had um penn state and notre dame playing in the cotton bowl this year well that would be dandy it, i mean <laughs> if you're not playing for in the uh in the uh playoffs sure yeah it'd be better than the camping world bowl um yeah. or the military no, what's this one? The Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. Um, yeah, the Cotton Bowl would be nice. But again, like, I don't know how they predict these things. I'm just looking it up now, and I'm seeing Camping World Bowl, uh, Notre Dame versus TCU. Oh. How did we get there? <laughs> Dude, no. That's not going to happen. Uh yeah, well, the, I, it must have been on ESPN's website because they had um, – no, it wasn't the Cotton Bowl. I forget what, whatever it was. But they had Notre Dame and Penn State playing in a bowl game uh, in 2019. And I, I, I'd be okay with that. 24-7 sports is Penn State, South Carolina, and the Citrus Bowl. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, that's – well, it's the Citrus Bowl. Isn't that where – that's where Notre Dame was last year. Um, yeah. And they beat LSU on a last play, which was He's amazing. Doing all kinds of crazy things. I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like for them to uh, to put out how they came up with these projections. Yeah. Like did they did they just like guess? Orange Orange Bowl. They have Alabama, Washington. Okay. Clemson, Georgia, and the Cotton Bowl. Huh. I don't know. I, I, my top four. If you're gonna, if if we're gonna, if we want to do that, I think the playoff teams are gonna be Alabama, Wisconsin. No, excuse me. 
not Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah. No, not Wisconsin, because Penn State's going to beat Wisconsin in the um, in the uh, Big Ten championship. So I've got uh, Alabama. Obviously, I think I think Clemson's going to get in there. Um, I don't think Washington's really going to make it. I, I just don't see them. I think Washington's going to lose week one to Auburn. Um, so I don't think, I, and I don't think they're going to, they don't have the schedule to battle back. Um, and, um, and really they don't play anybody that's big enough team that they're going to beat and keep themselves in the race. So I, Alabama Clemson, I don't think Oklahoma's got a shot. Um, I think Michigan is going to, going to be tough. Um, I think even without winning a Big Ten championship, I think Michigan still could get in. Um, because yeah, I was kind of thinking the same. Depends on depends on what happens. Like what's what's very interesting is that it's gonna be very telling. Let's look at Michigan's schedule. What's very telling is what happens with Notre Dame this right. week. Right. See how you start the season against a fairly tough opponent. Note I said fairly tough. Um, and also Penn State. Let's see what happens there. Let's look at Michigan's schedule, though. So Michigan's got a string of games right in a row. They go Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State. Those are three games right in a row. Then they have Rutgers in Indiana. And then they go to, go to Ohio State that last Saturday in November. Yeah, but you get to warm up on SMU and Northwestern. You should have everything. Or, or I'm sorry, uh, Western Michigan, SMU, Nebraska, North, Northwestern, Maryland. You should be rolling at that point. Well, so, I mean, if Michigan beats Notre Dame, in order for, for Penn State to beat Michigan or lose to Michigan and then still get into the Big Ten championship game over Michigan – that would mean Michigan would have to lose to um, like a Michigan State and there would have to be a tiebreaker of some sort that they'd have mm-hmm. to uh, um, I don't know what the tiebreaker is in Big Ten East but there would have to be a tiebreaker that Penn State would have to win um, to get into that Big Ten championship so I mean Michigan could do it but I don't I don't know I, I think obviously Alabama Clemson are I think they're definitely going to be in the top four. Um, I don't know about Ohio State. I don't know how they're going to – like we said, they're kind of unknown. Uh, Washington, I don't think, is going to beat Auburn this week, so they're going to be out. Um, USC could be a team that that fights their way in there. Um, Oklahoma's quarterback has got a contract for, for, the, for Major League Baseball waiting for him, so I don't know that he's going to want to stand in there and get hit take the chance of getting hit, getting hurt, and not be able to play baseball. Um, so I don't know how Oklahoma is going to be. So I'm going to say Alabama, Clemson, I think Georgia and Alabama both get in, and I think that fourth team um, is going to end up being maybe out of the Big 12, maybe uh, like a TCU, um, but more likely uh, probably the uh, – uh, Penn, well, Penn State could do it. Penn State could be could be that fourth team, but I have a feeling they're going to be on the outside looking in for whatever reason. Um, uh, yeah, whatever for whatever reason. That, dude, know. that seems to happen. But 
a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. It happens a lot. Um, I, I just think for some reason, obviously SEC gets a gets a, a pass. Um, I mean, they're last year they're talking about two a two lot. Auburn was going to be the first two loss team to get into the playoff, um, and then Auburn got their ass kicked by UCF in uh, in a bowl game. UCF the, yeah. the 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 national champion from last year. Right, that's what they said. They're the national champion from last year, not uh, not Alabama. Um, right, sure, guys. Yep, whatever you say, guys. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, I think I know for sure it's going to be. You know, I'm really confident in Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, but I don't, I don't know who that fourth team would be uh, right now. Looking at it, but dude, next week we could we could talk, and this could be completely different. Like Alabama yeah. could lose to Louisville. I doubt that's going to happen, but they could. Yeah. Um, you know, you never know. It's, that's why college football is awesome because it's something crazy happens every week. Well, I mean, the big shakeup would be a big shakeup would be Auburn, Washington. You, you, you automatically would you knock Washington out then and move Auburn up? Yeah, and- Auburn would have to move up. Washington would go out because I mean, who's Washington play? I don't even know yeah, right. if they play anybody um, anybody worth worth caring about other than, you know, let's see here. Let me find them. They play – yeah, I mean, they've got Oregon and Stanford. Those are their two toughest games. I mean, they're going to play Chip Kelly in UCLA, who's still going to stink this year too. Um, but, yeah, I – that this is their game. If, if Washington doesn't beat Auburn, I don't see how they they have a shot to get in. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, fortunately, by the talk that we're having right now, it sounds like both. I, I'd be okay with it with a two-loss Notre Dame team. I wouldn't. I'd rather obviously they win every game, but I'd be okay with it, and it it would be. I would still be able to enjoy watching the season. Um, what I won't be okay with is if they're, they're eight and four or seven and five. Um, that that won't that won't do. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll be kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> I mean, what for Penn State? What are you? What what kind of record? At, at what point do you go? No, this is can't can't watch this anymore. This is not uh, this is not a successful season. I mean, <laughs> two losses, I think, is the threshold for me, honestly. Well, does, it, start... de- does it depend on how they lose, too? Like, for me, if I watch Notre Dame and let's say they play, um, you know, they play Ball State the second game and they beat them, wow. by, and they beat them by one, right? Um, yeah. Like – uh, a win's a win, but that that that's not. I don't like that. I don't. I don't want to see exactly that. Confident in that win, you know what I mean? Right. That makes me a little nervous. Um, but then, like, let's say they come out and they play Virginia Tech or Stanford, real tough, and you know they lose. They lose two games on a last second touchdown or an interception or something goofy happens. I mean, I, I think in the long run, that's easier to, to swallow than, than if they just play like shit. Um, so, 
I mean, is that does it work the same for you when you're watching the Nittany Lions? I mean, I mean, <laughs> part of me wishes this was like weighted like the NFL, where a win's a win, but right. it's not. So, uh, I think I still stand by 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 two, uh, yeah, two losses, close or not. I mean, preferably close, just because like you start thinking about bowl implications um, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think that as a Penn State fan, uh, you, you want to kind of strike. Last year was the strike while the iron's hot mentality. You're like, we got it all going on. You got Saquon, you got Trace, you got a good wide receiver core. Um, we, we should be in the playoffs. Uh, I still think we have some of that, uh, that mentality. Uh, James Franklin's been, been preaching this next guy up kind of uh, mentality is like, we're just going to keep it rolling. So um, I would be disappointed with two, two or more losses. So even two, you're going to be, disappointed or, or only if they hit three losses uh th- i mean if they hit three losses you're like all right whatever <laughs> you start to get to the point where you're like as long as i'm playing <laughs> if i get a bowl game that's what i want i want to see one more game added to my season at that point but like really i, I think you have all the pieces that you, you should be playing for a top tier bowl game if not the playoffs well i, so mean, I have high i have high expectations for for penn state i would say well, I, I feel like, too, you know, if you lose at the beginning of the season and you finish the season strong, you still have a chance. So even if you I, lose, I, like... I think I'm just so jaded. Like, I'm not jaded. I think I'm just so so burned by the always looking on the outside looking in thing. Yeah. But I always feel like that weird, those little weird nuances like a loss early in the season or you're only one by one point always bite Penn State in the ass um, I also have this fear with this Penn State team that I'm worried that they're going to come into the first week or two with you know too much confidence too much swagger and get smoked by like Appalachian State or Pittsburgh or something like that well so I was just going to ask you that so so what happens if Penn State comes out week one Beats Appalachian State, I don't know, fifty-six to three, right? Yeah. And then they go to Pitt following Saturday night game. It's on ABC, eight o'clock, and they lose to Pitt, twenty-eight to twenty-four, right? Then they win the rest of their games. Some of them might be close. Maybe they beat Ohio State by a field goal. Michigan State is a tough they game. They win out, but they lost to Pitt. But they lose to Pitt, and then Pitt goes on to lose the rest of their games. Like, how does that oh, – so I mean, Pitt loses, <laughs> Pitt loses every <laughs> other game for the rest of the season. Fluke. It's a fluke then. doesn't okay. matter. And, and, and that's what I would think, too, that they would go, listen, they just had a bad day, whatever. Yeah. They improved because, you know, I'll keep hearing, oh, did the, did, did the team improve as the season went on? Are they getting yeah. better? Are they getting stronger? Or did, did they fall off? So, 
Um, I think if, a, if Notre Dame loses to Michigan in a close game and they go on to win the rest of their games and Michigan ends up shit in the bed, or even if Michigan, you know, obviously if Michigan went on and had a great season, then, you know, that's always been Notre Dame's thing. They have, that's another thing that annoys me. They haven't had like, oh, Notre Dame had a big win. No, they had they, – they almost beat so-and-so. They had a really close loss to Clemson a few years ago, which kept them in the hunt. And they had a really close loss to Georgia last year, which kept them in the hunt. No, I don't want to have a close loss to someone that makes me relevant. I want to have a, a win over somebody yeah. that makes me relevant. Not, oh, we only lost to Georgia by two or one, whatever it was last year. No, don't. how about don't lose? And then you don't have to worry about that. So, I don't know. It's, it's tough. If I'm, being, if I'm being a realist here, I think Pitt could be – a really big trap game you know like you're gonna beat up on appalachian state a little bit i think i think they're gonna i think appalachian state's gonna score some points uh but ultimately you're gonna win handily um that pit game is so tough you know what i mean just just from like a mental perspective you're like we got this state rivalry kind of thing right. a little bit going on uh, I mean, Penn State Barstool Sports has been <laughs> riding this pit is shit thing for months already. <laughs> like, so there is a lot of hype for this game. I remember there was uh, I remember when Pitt didn't want to be called Pitt anymore. They wanted to be called uh, the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and people used to have shirts. I remember somebody had a shirt when I I was little. I forget who it was that said shit on pit and the shit had two T's and it was written like, uh, written like the word pit. Yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. in fact, I know who it was. That person actually ended up going to pit <laughs> when, they grew, <laughs> when they got older. Uh, so that's even, that's funny, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think pit, I think it's going to be a tough one for him. Um, but, but, but if you lose that game, I mean, it's like there's, there's fork in the, in the road there. It's either you settle into mediocrity of the season you probably get two more losses like we said maybe three maybe the confidence is just killed uh or you turn around you just you go you know what we got to shape up they kick kent state's ass they kick illinois ass and they are amped up for ohio state and the and the rest of that schedule in what's with the nine o'clock game on fox nine o'clock p.m if they play illinois at nine o'clock isn't that some crazy Illinois time zone garbage? Yeah, yeah, that's some. There's some. So Notre Dame falls into that sometimes. I don't know how it works, but some that, some of them don't. Like South South Bend just to, wants to ignore the rest of the world. Yeah, they don't and, like turn the clocks ahead, or I don't know what they don't. They don't do something. The clock stays the same. So, um, their games start at like two thirty, but yeah. that. It's stupid. Just follow the rest of the country. Don't be so stupid. Um, idiots. <laughs> but everyone else changes the clock. You change it too. Don't try to be different. You're screwing us all up here. That actually screwed me up like 10 years ago. I went, uh, the game was on it. I thought it was on at 3.30. I got home. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I turned the TV on at 3.30. And oh, the game was already an hour into the game because they started at 2.30. Don't just that's stupid. Stop it. 
Um, so yes, I don't, nine o'clock. Yeah, I don't know about nine o'clock, but I was gonna say we got we have my prediction for Appalachian State, Penn State, and my prediction for Michigan Notre Dame. What what are, what are you thinking here for the first week? So so obviously I, I said Notre Dame loses to Michigan. I think it's gonna be twenty to fourteen or twenty four seventeen something like that. Notre Dame's losing week one. Yep, I got Notre Dame going down. Unfortunately, right. um, I'm hoping that's I'm really hoping that's not the case, but I actually I, I don't think they're gonna do it. Um, Penn State, App State, I think Penn State wins, I'm going to say 38 to 3. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, I don't know, 14 to 3 game at halftime because Penn State teams to start their season first half of the first game a little slow for whatever reason. And then they're just going to pour it on and they're going to, they're going to win. They went big. It's all that good conditioning. Yeah. What's, what's weird about this game, I've gone, I've gone to a lot of games, had season tickets almost my whole life. Uh, I feel like it's very rare to have a week one 3.30 start at Penn State. Yeah, well, so we went – what was it, last year or two years ago we went? Two years, two ago. years ago. Yeah, and that was a noon start? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to get up as early, or or you get up as you get up at the same time and you just tailgate longer. Yeah, we're, we're it, late at the same time. <laughs> but, but see that you know the one thing I don't like, and, and the same as at Notre Dame, they don't serve beer at these stadiums, which I get it, I get why. But for people like me, if I, I I'm not going and tailgating for four hours and then going and not continuing that that tailgate thing inside the stadium because then you st- like the hangover kicks in while you're watching I the football game. The third quarter, the third quarter uh, hangover a little bit where I have to like snap, snap back into it for fourth quarter, get my head back in the game. Yeah. It sucks. Like, wow. They need to figure just that me, out. Just let me keep the buzz going. Yeah. They need to figure yeah. that out. They need to figure it out. When I, when I went out to Notre Dame last year for the Georgia game, we had those like the special box seats um ah nice from under armor they serve alcohol up there i was drinking beer um that's the only place in the stadium you can get it um and you can't buy those tickets you have to like i don't know you have to like kill your firstborn child in order to get <laughs> get access to those tickets that's because they gotta wrestle somebody for them. you gotta wrestle some guy you gotta wrestle brock lesnar for him you gotta wrestle the tickets out of his hand <laughs> you gotta wrestle them out of his ass cheeks <laughs> Good luck. You're not That's getting the so like challenge. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, that's, I don't know. I feel like I'd rather just watch the, honestly, I'd rather watch the game at home. If I can't drink in the stadium or sit in a box, unless it's a really big game, I'd rather be at home. And actually it, for a big game, I'd rather be at home too, because if, if, it, if they lose, then I can just go cry. So, so like, I, 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 uh, I usually hate going to week one because it's so damn hot. It's so hot every week one. I just, I'm like, this is hell on earth because you're sitting on those metal bleachers at noon. It's usually noon and you're just getting roasted. Um, I'm barely even paying attention to the game because I'm trying to survive. Uh, 
but then you know middle september early through pretty much through october is great um when we're talking about big games and stuff like that i'm always like oh i'd just rather watch watch a big game on tv sometimes that's the case but then other times i've been to to big games like where where they they beat michigan and you know whatever that was double or triple overtime or or something like that uh they beat ohio state at beaver stadium at night and it's just amazing it's like such it's like one of the greatest sporting moments you can even have unless you're playing in the game and and winning you know what i mean like yeah i i just well because i'm so uh i'm so optimistic i just always think and that's sarcasm i always think that what happens if they lose do i want to be around all these people or do i want to be able to go pound 30 beers and cry myself to sleep um i mean you can do that you just you just people can, in the parking lot that night and i'll wake up looking like post malone <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Well, you're going to look out with weather this weekend because I just looked at it now. It says 3 o'clock on Saturday in State College, 75 degrees. 22% yeah. chance of rain until like uh, stays around there till like 9 o'clock. And you're going to have – it's going to be moist, a little humid, a little humidity. It, yeah, you know, it says that now until you get there tomorrow. And then it's like – Somebody has a giant magnifying glass over you and you're just scorched to death. They're burning holes in the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, make sure you put on sunblock, Jeff. Yeah. I don't want you getting burnt. Never do that. Um, no sunblock for me. So what do you got? What do you got for a score in this game? Oh, geez. Uh, hmm. I don't know. 42-21. Oh, you think they're going to score 21 points? Yeah. I think they're going to score some points. All right. And then Notre Dame, Michigan. I, mean, I don't know, if, I don't know if, it's, if it's going to be against the starters, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I think they're only going to score three points. I mean, I, I don't think they're good enough even to score against the second string. Um, what do you got for the score of Notre Dame, Michigan? Obviously, you said that Notre Dame's going down, but what do you got? I think uh, 24-21. I think that uh, Notre Dame is driving in the fourth, late in the fourth, throws an interception, and uh, uh, Michigan just sits on the ball for the the rest of the game. Yep, that's when I'll go – into hiding for the night. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite way to see Notre Dame lose. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, all right. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, it's Friday, and these games are tomorrow. So we'll try to do this again next week, right? Um, hopefully, yeah. we can work it out. And If I survive. If I if I'm still alive, you might be doing it alone. But no, what I'm do you mean? You think you're gonna get burnt to death at the game? It's possible. Strong possibility. Listen, just wear a, like a raincoat or something, or like a like a space space suit. Wear a roof. 
reflective suit. <laughs> Dude, wear a raincoat to the game, Look even if it's not raining. Look for me on TV. I'll be the guy that's uh, looks like I'm I'm surrounded. I'm wearing a suit made out of tin foil. <laughs> that's protected from the aliens. Yeah, you'll see a little shining light on the screen. That's me. I'll look for you. I can't wait. I hope I see you. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, I think that's. Uh, I think that wraps it up, man. I think we we got it all in. It's like an we hour, did. an hour and twenty five minutes of you and you and I talking about babbling. Yes, mostly stuff that only we care about. Which is, you know, that's the only way. That's that's the only way I like to talk to people about things that I care about, and just me. Other than that, I really don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, dude. What? Uh, so you're leaving early tomorrow? Yep, leaving early tomorrow. Going with my brother, his wife, my dad. Uh, I think this is my brother's first game. In a very long time because he's he's just back from he just moved back to pennsylvania from colorado for he was living out there for a couple of years so uh this is his first game since he was in that gave everybody the middle finger stage (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think he's still in that stage but that's all right um yeah so he he's very excited i mean we're all excited but i think he's particularly excited all right man well Tell everyone I said hello, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk uh, we'll talk next week. Good luck to your fighting Irish. Yeah, thanks. Good luck we'll to your week. good luck to your Nittany Lions. All right, man. Till next time. Bye.